Fast thoughts? Fast thoughts. I'm Adam Daniel Mazay. Yikes! The mercury fell completely off the map. It's the kind of cold that hits your face, that hits your bare skin, and it makes it crack. This, my friends, this, my babies, this is what makes Canadians tough. This kind of thing. Breakfast of champions, baby! You know, I realize that it seems axiomatic, yes, that politicians go into politics to become wealthy. You know, it's been said many times, and I love this aphorism. I think it applies so mightily. Politics is show business for ugly people. And let me tell you, you take a nice sort of broad cross-sectional view of the House of Commons in Canada, and there's some ugly people. I mean, ugly people. I mean, you just look at, for example, the leader of the opposition in Canada who resides at a residence called Stornoway. You best believe that guy looks like Porky Pig. Um, and the variety of cabinet ministers and shadow cabinet ministers, there are some rare exceptions. Um, some would say the Prime Minister of Canada is handsome. Um, and then others would say the finance critic, his name is Pierre Poilevre, or if you have a Tim Hortons accent, Pierre Poilevre, um, you can see how there are exceptions to the rule. But in the main, politicians are gross, they're butt ugly. I mean, again, some would say Sandy Cortez in the United States in the House of Representatives is attractive. I don't know about that. Some would say Carmelita is attractive. I don't think Carmelita is attractive at all. I think Carmelita kind of looks like a turtle, but that's just me. But in any event, um, not to mention President Robinette with the sort of beady eyes and stuff like that, wispy hair kind of light on his feet. You have to think about this. You know, people take it as axiomatic that politicians go into business to make money. It's very rare that you have a leader in power that has demonstrated an ability to actually earn their keep outside of the political arena. I think, again, here in Ontario, during the 90s, I remember Premier Bob Ray of the NDP, what a mess, subsequently defecting to the Liberals and becoming the interim leader of the Liberal Party for a period of time in the 80s. Just goes to show you the Liberals and the NDP in Canada are birds of a feather, but I digress. And Bob Ray never actually held down a proper job. In fact, all that he did was work in various political uh, bureaucracies, ministries, what have you, and that was his claim to fame. He never had like a proper job in his life. Another example of an enormously ugly politi politician who was caricatured very often, I think, by papers like the Toronto Sun. Here's an idea, and I know we've talked about this, and I know people talk about this all the time, and I'm going to liken it to my experience living what some would consider to be Eastern Europe, but I just want to stress the Czech Republic and Slovakia are not Eastern Europe, nor is Poland. Um, so if you call them Eastern Europeans, prepare to face their rancor. But 
when I was living in Prague for six years, there would be people that would want to go into politics. But what you got going into politics in Europe or in a place like the Czech Republic wasn't a massive bump in salary. I mean, you were earning well, but you were not earning like multiples more than people in regular industries were earning. Another thing was you got opportunities and access, networking, hobnobbing, pressing the flesh. You got into committees, for example. Um, there was an interview that I had gone to um, and uh, I didn't get the job, but the Czech Republic has what's called the Senate. They have a House of Deputies and then something called the Senate. And it's like the Canadian Senate. It's basically a, use, a useless camera, camera for house. It's a useless house. And um, the people that actually work in the Czech Senate make a lot of money. The point I wanted to make was, I went in for an interview with Erdvard Kozushnik, as his name was, and he would start telling me about the things that we do, that we would have done, um, had um, I gotten that particular job. But it wasn't the money, it was the access. It was the opportunity to travel and be a part of things that were going on in Europe. I've subsequently become very wise to those things, and I don't lust after that kind of, um, uh, that kind of position. But I know how it appeals to young people to want to go into politics because they think they're going to make a lot of money. I've been exposed lately to a lot of cases of people that are defying lockdown orders and people that are absolutely incensed with the fact that they're not able to actually go out and earn, that their small enterprises are being eviscerated and gutted by government policy, whereas there are people in these various bureaucracies that are responsible for enforcing their lockdown and in some instances even launching legal cases against them who have never suffered a salary day in their life. These are people that are earning high five figures and in some cases if you're in a deputy position you're earning low six for doing not a lot of stuff. The novel idea I wanted to put across which we have spoken about so many times is why do we have to pay politicians so much money? There is no need for it. There is no justification for it. There is no need for us to automatically accept the fact that politicians should be earning so much money. It's not something that has to be, as I said, axiomatic. It can be something that you earn for demonstrating good service, for demonstrating good civic duty. In a lot of other countries in the world, what you get being a political operative is access, not money. And if it does happen, it's not in all cases. Where in a country like Canada or the United States, the understanding is that you're going to make good money. But it shouldn't be that way. A quick comment about what I consider to be people that work for the government. Again, they're useless. They're not necessary. They're not people that actually do anything of value. I, I don't abhor them but I think that they're kind of sleigh riding. They're sandbagging. They're A players or B players. I don't want to call them A players. They're B caliber players playing in the D division in racquetball and cleaning up the bracket. They don't really deserve to be there. They haven't done anything to demonstrate how, I don't know, how talented they are or what have you. They don't have the gift of the gab. They don't have the thespian ability. And by thespian ability, I mean 
the ability to, as I learned this very clearly from watching my dad from so many years, we, a master at, I would call, the art of persuasion, just the ability to adapt to various people's personalities, to shoehorn yourself into various roles. I suppose that's where I get it, maybe to some extent, my ability to do that in turn to minimize yourself, to take on accents and to sort of, you know, become different individuals for a very short period of time, um, and to also provide for a family, and um, to do so with enormous aptitude. These people are not my dad, and people like my dad. These people are not in that category, and they don't deserve to be earning as much. You listen to them speak on the phone, they're ooing and eyeing, hesitating, like our very uh, incapable prime minister that we have here in Canada. And that's not my opinion. That's bankable, not to mention a racist and other things besides. Um, so this is what people expect to be the situation from their political leaders. And it doesn't have to be the case. It does not have to be the case we should fight against that because it comes out of your pocket ultimately. I mean, ultimately, if you don't agree with it, then don't keep your money in dollars. Find other avenues to keep your cash so that, I suppose, you don't have to be responsible for paying for it because you should be getting something for the services that they provide, for the money that you pay, and you shouldn't be having to leverage yourself to the hilt to, to be able to make sure that Doofus 1 and Laggard 2, I'm trying not to curse and cuss, uh, should be earning as much as they do. I know you're watching the same programs as I am. I know you're exposed to the same videos that I am. And I know it burns you. I know it just gets at you that you have to tolerate that. And then you have to watch the slashing and burning of more jobs, of more industries, critical industries, and the sort of the cranking up of the military industrial complex, which essentially means more wars, furnishing more weapons and materiel for wars, more deaths, and more jobs are being slashed, and people are not able to provide for their families. While these various bureaucrats, fat cats, and other never do wells get a chance to earn hand over fist cash on your back. It does not have to be axiomatic. It does not have to be a rule. You can do something about it, and things are being done about it. And as like I said a few days ago, the narrative is, the narrative is changing. Excuse me, my face is starting to freeze over. The narrative is changing. Inexorably, it's changing. And you have to sit back and embrace it. While the two poltroons that currently occupy upper echelons of government in the United States, hand-picked by people that ultimately make the big decisions, continue, well, ultimately cock up and take the blame to hold the bag for all the failed policies. Government bureaucrats should not be earning as much money. It should be like in Eastern Europe, where you get access, perhaps, but not money. And you should be rolling back the number of positions cutting back the number of bureaucrats. You don't need as many of them. You don't need one Pinocchio to hold the, the, the nut 
and then another jerk off to hold the bolt and then another sleigh ride to actually turn it and crank it in. It's not necessary and we should be clamoring against it. But in the meantime, while we focus on what the left hand is doing, we pay very close attention to the right and we continue to do what we can to strengthen our futures and protect our families and stay fit. Do not be like the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, roly-poly, porcine, obese and incapable of cocking a joint. Thank you again for watching. I appreciate all the time we spend together. Let me tell you, this is one of the highlights of my day. I love vlogging. And thank you very much for being here on a gorgeous, cold, but blue sky day here from the center of the known universe, otherwise known as Toronto. That's right. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Fast thoughts? Fast thoughts.